uh, I'm much more of a storyteller. So uh, if, if you want to just have notes, Acts 13 and 14. All right. Um, <coughs> this is uh, Paul's first missionary journey, and we just got back from our first missionary journey, so we're, uh, this is kind of a comparing notes kind of thing. So um, in, in this story, Paul is a, is a uh, teacher at uh, the church in Antioch. All right, there's prophets and there's teachers there, and Paul is, is uh, one of the teachers. And uh, God all of a sudden says, I want you to set apart Paul and Barnabas for me, and I'm going to send them out. And so this is how God called them. So they laid hands on them, and they prayed over them, and then they sent them out. Okay? And so for our lives, most people think, man, you went over to the Middle East. God must have really spoke to you. You know, like uh, there was a big booming voice that told us to go over. In actuality, my calling uh, was over a 15-year period. It wasn't an immediate thing. And so uh, just to let you know a little bit about my calling, okay, I grew up, I grew up in a town of about 250 people, and we lived in the suburbs, okay? And uh, I had never been to a gas station until I was in driver's ed when I was 15 years old because we had our own gas tank at our house, okay? And so this is the kind of environment I, I grew up in. And so I was very timid and shy, all those kinds of things. I uh, got a degree in electrical engineering. I got saved after college. And uh, I couldn't get a job as an electrical engineer, but I was able to get a job as an electrician. So I was just loving church, you know, worshiping God, giving you know, doing all that kind of stuff. And my friend, he was the associate pastor. He, he asked me, he goes, Dan, I need your help. I need your help in children's ministry. W can you help me? And so being the spiritual person that I was, I said, no way. <laughs> I am way too shy to get in front of people, and I'm not getting in front of a bunch of kids. But he was persistent with me week after week, he asked me, until he finally wore me down. I said, okay, okay, okay. I'll do it one time, just for you, you know, not for God, <laughs> for you. I will do it one time, and that one time turned into five years. It was the beginning of being obedient to God, you know? And so at, at towards the end of that five-year time, five years, uh, I was feeling like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be an electrician the rest of my life, and you know, maybe I should, you know, study some Berean or something like that. And my friend, he's like, you know what? You're going to learn more from people than you do from books. You need to go to Bible school. And when he said that, then God put it in my heart. This is the Bible school you're going to. And so I was like, okay. And so I, I went there. And then I had to sign up for my coursework. And so I prayed through, the, w you know, which coursework am I going to go through? And so uh, am I going to be a pastor? No. Am I going to do this? No. 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 The only one that didn't get a no was missions. And I was like, well, don't missionaries usually know where they're going? I have no clue. Okay, well, I'll be obedient to this. So I signed up for that. And through the coursework and studying Hinduism, Buddhism, and all those kinds of things, God began to draw my heart towards Muslim people. And, and so that was the beginning of, I know I'm supposed to reach out to Muslim people. And then he began putting on my heart for unreached people groups. Those people that don't have access to the gospel. Those people that haven't heard, you know. And so God was doing this over a 15-year period. Now, I compare it to uh, when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, okay? What was their job? 
follow the cloud by day and the fire by night. That was it, okay? And when they did that, they wound up at the Red Sea with the mountains on each side and the enemy behind. And God did something miraculous to get him across. Now, how many of you, you know, what do you think would have happened if God would have told him when they left Egypt, I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to get, and we're not going the normal path. We're going to go across the desert. I'm going to lead you to where the sea is in front of you, the mountains are on each side of you, and the enemy is behind you. What do you think they would have said? I think we know a better way. There's a main road that goes right to where we need to go. We don't need to do this. All right? If God would have told me at the beginning when I was really timid and shy, I mean, I was terrified to get in front of kids, okay, remember? All right? If he would have said at that time, I am sending you to the Middle East, I would have said, I will give double. Just don't send me there. Okay? But he is gracious and he is patient with us. And because I was obedient every step of the way, he got me to where I needed to be. And it doesn't seem to me... Going over there seems very natural. I can't imagine being here. You know, to me, being here would be more challenging <laughs> for myself. You know, so, so it's because of how God leads you. Now, here's the thing. Paul was called this way. This is how I just shared with you how I was called. Every single one of you is called. Not necessarily to go to the Middle East, but not one of you is called just to sit in the church and just worship and that's your only job, okay? Every single one of you has a calling upon your life to bring God's kingdom here on earth. And what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that calling? I encourage you to take that step of faith, to step out and to do something about it, okay? And I love this verse uh, in James. Faith without works is dead, but I love the second half even more. It says, Faith is made complete by what you do. It's not enough to know that God wants to do something and God wants to accomplish something. And just to have that in your heart, that is not enough. You need to take what, that, what is inside your heart and you need to do something about it. Make it complete and do something. Finish that work that God has called you to do. Now here's the thing. Does the devil want to see you accomplish it? No, not at all. He does not want to see you succeed. And so he will throw some lies into your head, and you will think something like this. Oh, God, I know that you want to do this thing, but oh, I'm far too old for this. You know, what, what you're asking that needs to be done requires a lot of energy and somebody younger than myself to do this. How old was Moses when he got started? He was 80. And he worked for another 40 years with whining and complaining people. And where did his strength come from? His strength came from God. His energy came from God to accomplish what God wanted to do. Or the, you might have this thought, oh, I'm, I'm too young for this. You know, I don't have any experience at all. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I can't really do this. When Jeremiah tried to say that he was too young, God said, don't say that you are too young. Is it not I, the Lord your God, who will put the words into your mouth? Do not say that you're too young. Or you might have, you might have this thought. Oh, I, I can't do this. I'm just not smart enough. I mean, I haven't, I haven't graduated from high school, you know, and I don't have the Bible memorized. I don't, I don't know all my theology. I mean, I can't do this thing. 
Who did Jesus choose to be his disciples? Pharisees and scribes, the educated people? No, fishermen. Most of them probably could not read or write. And these were the people that Jesus chose to turn the world upside down. So if you feel like, if you feel like, oh, you don't have the energy, you can't do it, you don't have the energy, oh, I'm too young, I don't have the experience, oh, I'm not smart enough to do this, great. You are in a great spot because you realize that you can't do it in yourself, in your giftedness, in any way other than to lean upon God. And that is a great position to be to see God do miraculous things through you. Can we do healing? No. Can we accomplish these things in ourselves? No. And that is a great position. So I want to encourage you, whatever God has called you to do, you may not see where he's leading. You may not see what he, uh, he wants from your life. But I want to encourage you to take that first step. Be obedient. Make your faith complete and do something about it. Do something about it. And God's name will be glorified. So, so Paul goes out, all right? And what do you think the devil thinks about people going out to fulfill their calling? You're going to be in a battle, all right? Most of us are like, oh, man, Paul, yeah, this, this, great, this great guy who wrote a lot of the Bible. Let's look at what happens when he goes out, okay? So Paul goes out, and he goes to preach in the city of Salamis. Now, the Bible actually talks more about him getting to the city of Salamis than it does about what happened there. The Bible actually says absolutely nothing about Salamis other than he preached in Salamis. What? Nothing good happened? Nothing bad happened? It doesn't say. Just that he preached. All right, so Paul moves on to uh, the city of Paphos. And here he's preaching the gospel, and there's a leader in the community. He wants to hear what uh, Paul has to say, Paul and Barnabas have to say, so he calls them in. But the, the leader in this community, he has an advisor who uh, is a really bad guy, and he starts bad-mouthing the things that uh, Paul and Barnabas are saying. And, and God puts in, his, in Paul's heart, and he looks at this guy and says, you are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery, and for a time now, you are not going to see the light of the sun. And the man goes blind right there. And you know what the pro-council does? Oh, I believe. <laughs> and so here we have, we have, oh, this is great. We have one leader of the community. Now, Paul was probably preaching to the whole city, but you have the leader of the community. One person, one person saved. Then Paul moves on to the city of Perga. And here in Perga, John Mark goes, leaves him. He, he, he leaves Paul and Barnabas and heads, heads back. He doesn't want to continue on with him. Then Paul moves on to the city of Pisidian Antioch, and he preaches this awesome message. He pre the, the Bible says, you know, it's about, it's about uh, all the prophets and what the kings and everything, and we get down to Jesus, and oh, this, this is the fulfillment of everything that we've been longing for. And the people at the synagogue say, hmm, that's very interesting. Come back next week. No response other than, oh, come, that's interesting. Come back next week. So if we would look at this in the natural, how is Paul doing? We would probably say, Paul, are you sure you're called? Are you sure you're called? I mean, you go to preach in the first place, no comment. All right, you go in the second place, oh, it was pretty miraculous. That's pretty great. But you only had one person saved. 
yeah, there's a leader. Well, that's good, but one one person. And then you move on to the next city, and you're, you can't even keep your ministry team together, and, and one of your guys leaves you, all right? And you go on to the next place, and you pull it all together, and the people are like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Come back next week. Are you sure you're called? Here's the thing. When you begin stepping out in faith and doing the, the work that God has called you to do, the enemy is going to come against that work. And you in the, will not necessarily see in the natural what is going on in the spiritual. Okay? And you can't get discouraged by things not happening, by what we see. We cannot let that discourage us. If God has called us, we need to be certain. Well, God, you have called me to do this, and I am going to continue to press on and I'm going to continue through all these difficult things, whether I see anything or not. Lord, I'm just going to lean back on you. I'm going to not do this in my own strength, but I'm going to listen to you. Whatever you say to do, whether I see anything or not, I'm going to continue on. And we see that Paul doesn't give up. He continues on. So during the week, I'm sure he was talking to the Gentiles because all the, the next week when he gets at the synagogue, all the Gentiles show up. And this makes the, the Jewish people there at the synagogue very jealous. And so instead of listening to what he, what he comes to say this week, they get jealous and start bad-mouthing all the stuff that, that Paul and Barnabas uh, are saying. And so Paul, Paul says, well, listen, if you guys don't consider yourself worthy to receive this, this, uh, this gift, then God's going to give it to the Gentiles. And this just filled the Gentiles up with so much joy and they were so glad and excited, it began, you know, it began spreading. But because of the jealousy of these Jewish people there, uh, they went to the leadership in the community and had Paul and Barnabas kicked out so that they could no longer preach there. So they move on to the, to the next city. They move, move on to the city of Iconium. And similar thing happens in Iconium. He goes there and he preaches this awesome message, but there's more people that believe but the, uh, these Jewish people that are jealous over him, they began to poison the minds of the people, is what it says. They began poison the minds of the people so that some of the Gentiles were all wound up and they wanted to stone Paul and Barnabas, so they had to flee that city. So you see here, there's a couple tactics of the devil here. In the first city, uh, the Jewish people incited the leadership of the community against them. So you're gonna, the devil's going to try to incite leadership. Somebody in authority is going to try to get them to come against you. In here, he poisons the minds of the people. So the enemy is going to try to get in there. And whatever you're preaching is going to try to try to get uh, their minds poisoned to turn against whatever message. It's like, no, I didn't say that. You know, he's going to try to do that. So anyway, Paul and Barnabas, they, they move on to the next city. They move on to the city of, of Lystra. And here in Lystra, he preaches the message and... And while he's preaching, there's a man there who's been lame from birth. And Paul looks at him and says, ah, this man has faith to believe. This man has the faith. And so uh, he's preaching the message, and he goes over to this man. He lays hands on him, and the man, whoop, jumps up and starts rejoicing because of what God has done. Now, this is exciting for us, isn't it? We would say, God confirms the message through signs and wonders. This is so exciting that this happened here. But you know what happened? The people interpreted it through their own understanding. And you know what? They didn't listen to the message. They said, oh, 
the gods have come to be with us. This must be Zeus. This must be Hermes. And then they bring the bulls out, and Paul and Barnabas are like, no, 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 this is, no, we're men like you. This is from the one true living God who came down here. No, no, you're, you're, you're Zeus and Hermes. And they just couldn't get through to him at all. They wouldn't listen to him. You know who they listened to? Some of the Jews from the previous two cities that followed him to Iconium there, or to, to Lystra. They listened to them, and so the, he, they got the people wound up, and they eventually, where w- one moment they're, going, they're trying to honor them as gods, the next moment they stone Paul, and believing he's dead, they take him outside the city. So the devil brought misunderstanding to this situation. They did not understand it. They could not grasp it. <coughs> Over in our part of the world, there's a lot of misunderstanding. Now, the people that we initially had contact with, they were afraid of us. And I'm going to explain the misunderstanding they have. So at least you have an understanding of kind of the mindset of the people that we work with. Everything in their country is run by Islam. Everything their government does is run by Islam. They look at the Quran. They look at the Hadith. So they make the decisions based upon those things. Every business is run by Islam. So banks will not charge interest because that's against what the Quran says. They were not going to do that. Families, all run by Islam. This is how things work. And so because they see this all the time, this is how their country work, they put that on how the rest of the world works. They look at a Buddhist country, well, everything runs by Buddhism. They look over at the United States and say, well, that's a Christian nation, so everything our government does is Christian. And every business is a Christian business, so every movie coming out of Hollywood is a Christian movie with Christian actors and actresses. Every family is a Christian family, so all those abortions we hear about, Christians. So Christians hate kids. And so what if, if we are following our Bible in our country, what does that say about our Bible in the U.S.? It is corrupted. Christianity is immoral. And this is why they were afraid of us. They don't want anything to do with that. And so this is how they have misunderstanding. This is how their minds are poisoned against the message of Jesus. But the understanding, misunderstanding is not just on their part. Because if I say Muslim, what's going to come to most people's mind? Here. Oh, I, I heard it. Terrorist. Right? And why is that? It's because this is what the media shows. The media shows all oh, these Muslim people, they're all terrorists. And that is the perception. I want to make a distinction for you. There are, there are people we would call Islamists, and then there's people that we would call Muslim. The people that are Islamists, now they wouldn't say this. This is, my, this is the way I would describe it. People that are Islamists, they love Islam more than God. Now, they will say, we're doing this for God, but the reality is, is they want to defend their religion. But a Muslim is a person that may use Islam to worship God and to do all those things, but they're somebody who loves God. They want to do everything they can to serve God and be honorable and respectable uh, towards God. So most of the people in our country, if I would ask them, What do you think about ISIS? What do you think about the Taliban? They would say, those people are definitely not Muslim. 
because Muslims shouldn't be doing those things. Those people are terrorists and giving Islam a bad name. So when we reach out, we are reaching out to, to these Muslim people, these people that have a heart for God. They, and um, what, what the devil has been trying to do is with the media, he is creating an us-against-them mentality. It is us against them. We are right. They're wrong. We're going to show them what the truth is. Right? Here's the thing. It is not us against them. It is us against the devil. And the devil is using this religious system to hold them captive. They're held captive in a religious system that prevents them from knowing God closer, knowing who Jesus Christ is. And how do you approach a captive? Somebody that was captured by the enemy, do you walk into town and say, hey, what's wrong with you sitting there in that prison cell like that? Why are you sitting there? You are, let, let me show you, you are really stupid for being in that, that prison cell. Is that how you would treat a captive? They've been imprisoned. And Jesus came to set the captives free. That's what he came to do. And you go in there, and you're like, oh, man, I'm sorry. They didn't, give, they didn't give you any water. They didn't give you any food. Here, the bread of life. Here, we, we got something to give to you. You love them. You open that prison cell. They can't open it themselves. You've got to go and unlock it. And, and you've got to take care of them, and you've got to draw them out and love on them. And this isn't just with, with our part of the world, but with everybody. You gotta look at people out there. They're being held captive in some kind of thing. The devil's trying to hold them captive and prevent them from knowing Jesus Christ. And God is calling you to go out there and do something about it. Bring his kingdom here on earth. And so, Paul and Barnabas, they move on to the next city uh, of uh, Derby. And in Derby, they see amazing things happen. A lot of people come to know Jesus. And then after that is done, Paul goes back to the, previous, uh, to the previous cities that rejected him. And he goes to encourage the believers there. And this is what he encourages the believers with. He says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Here's the thing. When you begin following the things that God wants you to do, when you begin doing your calling into reaching out to people, you start encroaching on the enemy's territory. He isn't going to like it, and you are going to face many hardships. But God is going to be there with you, and there is so much joy and excitement of participating with God and reaching out, setting the captives free. You have to go into en enemy territory to release p captives. Does that make sense? They're not held captive if they're, well, maybe they're held captive in church, but we have to go out there and we have to set the captives free. We have to go into the enemy's territory. And this is not for ourselves, not for our ministry, not for our glory. We do this to glorify Jesus Christ. We do this to bring glory to God, that God's glory would fill the earth. And that as we, as we bring glory to him, these these people from every nation, tribe, and tongue come to know who Jesus is. And when we are worshiping in heaven, there will be representative from every people group in the world worshiping before the throne in front of the Lamb, bringing him all the glory. So I just want to encourage you 
Whatever God has called you to do, make your faith complete and do something about it. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. What a challenge and very interesting. It gives us a lot to think about. The thing that kind of stuck out to me uh, is that I believe that the Lord, uh, through the power of his Holy Spirit, he was speaking to many of us in different ways. And uh, we want to respond to that. We want to ask the Lord to help us to be obedient in the things he's speaking to us. I heard you say early on, both services, uh, that you didn't, uh, you got to a point where you didn't believe you're going to be an electrician all the days of your life, right? And it's possible there's someone here that you may not be uh, in the profession that you're in today, that maybe God is stirring you to take the next step to pursue ministry, to do something like that. Uh, but it's a, it's an obedience thing. The other thing you said that is just beautiful. Last week I was preaching. We talked about the twelve disciples. I said that Jesus picked twelve losers, basically, right? And uh, and if he, if he picked twelve losers, he can you know use us, right? That's the idea. And so there's no excuses uh, when we can hear from the Lord, and we can when we when we quiet ourselves, when we can uh, we can get alone with the Lord, He can speak to us. And I believe God wants to do that even this morning. He wants to give us the next step. He wants us to take the ne- the faith and to walk uh, by faith and not by sight. And uh, and I just believe that God. And uh, even through Paul's journey, kind of that example that we just walked through, it gives us hope that, you know what, we're on a journey. And uh, and just because we're following the Lord doesn't mean that everything's perfect, right? But with God's help, we can make it, and we can make a difference. We can make an impact in our community, in our home, in our family, uh, in our schools, in our in our workplaces, and God he wants to do that. If you believe that, I want you to stand with me all across this place. We're going to ask the Lord just to seal these moments in our hearts. Lord, I pray right now that you would continue a mighty, mighty work inside of us. God, that you would help us, Lord, to be listening to what you have for us. God, that we understand that it's not uh, a battle against uh, individuals, but it's us against the enemy. It's not uh, that we're against uh, different uh, different people, but, Lord, we're against the enemy and the powers at work. And, Lord, we want to pierce into the darkness. We want to make a difference, God. And, God, I just pray, Lord, that you just put it in each of our hearts this season to make a difference. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to walk in your truth. Help us to walk in your ways, to live by faith and not by sight. And, God, I pray that as you speak to us, month in and month out, God, on these mission services, God, that you are preparing us for your work. And God, I pray that we would be uh, just following your every step. Lord, I pray that as we have opportunity, even collectively, uh, this month and uh, on the Wednesday nights and at the hygiene drive at the end of the month, God, use us to make a difference. God, to get out of our comfort zone and to do something that's bigger than any one of us. God, we thank you for this. And God, I pray now that as we go, Lord, that you would just bless each person here. Lord, go before us, behind us, and all around us. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God.